Hello and welcome back to the Revealed Podcast. I am your host, Samantha Bertola, and let's get into it. This is episode two. I am so excited. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a great, great Christmas. I am recording this episode just a couple of days after the festivities. I was supposed to record this episode two weeks ago now. It was supposed to drop two weeks ago. And if I could just be vulnerable, this is going to be a little bit of a heavier podcast. Just going to put that out there. It is vulnerable for me. I feel that it hasn't been really talked about in Christian circles that I've been a part of, at least not publicly, definitely in private settings. But I really felt this on my heart. I knew I was eventually going to talk about it. But to be honest, I did not think it was going to be episode two. I thought it was going to be like episode 22. But here we are. I have been praying into this. I have been seeking the Lord on this for wisdom on how to talk about this topic. And I am just really expectant, really expectant for what God is going to do with this episode. So to start off, I want to begin with talking about reputation and what that means to me what it means in our society, and what that means biblically. So to turn all the way back to when I was a very young girl, I don't know, let's say between five and eight years old, I remember my mom sitting me down and telling me that a reputation is so important. And I remember her saying you only get one reputation. Once you tarnish that reputation, it's tarnished forever. You're stained forever. There's nothing you can really do. I'm very much paraphrasing here, but this is what I remember as a kid. And I don't think that this is so uncommon. I grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, and I feel like I heard other parents talk about reputation as well. And even being in the church and growing up, I remember the sticky note reference when it came to, you know, purity and virginity and things like that. Um, For those of you that don't know, it's like if you stick yourself to someone, then a little bit of stickiness goes. And the more you do it, the stickiness gets less and less and less. And I just remember these like little nuanced sayings and stories about reputation and what it meant when you tarnished your reputation. It was tarnished forever. So throughout a lot of my life, I had this notion that my reputation was only going to be there once. Once I tarnished it, it was done. And this was before social media. Now, if we go fast forward into like, I would say junior high is probably when Instagram, or sorry, not junior high. When I was a junior in high school, Instagram came out and it was becoming very, very popular and people were posting on it more, and then Snapchat came out. So there's all of these things where people now had the ability to see into your life more than ever before. Because before you would go to a party, all you would have is the memories and maybe the Polaroid pictures, or depending on how old you are, the little disposable camera film. So it significantly has changed the trajectory of our society 
just with social media alone. And that's kind of where cancel culture came in. I actually was doing some reading on different studies, and it's really interesting to see the different ways that we as society have clung to this idea of cancel culture. It's basically, to go back to when I was a kid, it's like that reputation. Once you tarnish it, it's tarnished forever. There's celebrities that come out, you know, years and years later that they said a racial slur on their Facebook feed back in, I don't know, early 2000s, and then it comes back to bite them, and then everyone cancels them. And it doesn't make the racial slur right, but we shouldn't have two wrongs make a right, because two wrongs don't make a right. Typically, in these cases, you see their popularity just plummet, and they lose their career. It is the most wild thing I have ever seen. And I think that we should definitely talk about it more because at the end of the day, we're human and we make mistakes. I mean, if we were to judge other people on the mistakes that they make and not judge ourselves on our own mistakes, we have no right to judge them. To bring it back to the Bible, I think of the story in John 8. It is the woman who gets caught doing adultery, sleeping with a man who isn't her husband, and they basically throw her out in the middle. The Pharisees at the time were the people that studied the word of the Torah. They were very, very committed to their religious beliefs and doctrine, um, so much so that they ended up being the ones crucifying Jesus because they didn't want to believe he was the Messiah that was prophesied in the Torah that they studied so much, which is crazy, but that's another note. So they are basically trying to find the fault in Jesus. So all the things that they kind of do throughout the Bible and throughout the gospels, they're trying to basically show the people that he isn't the Messiah. But every time that they tried to stump Jesus, because he is Jesus, he is the Messiah, they were always shocked to his answers. He was so controversial to the time. Even today, Jesus is still controversial to our time. And there is this story in John 8, like I said, where it's 3 to 7. I will just go ahead and read it. It says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses brought in a woman who had been caught in bed with a man who wasn't her husband. They made her stand in the middle of the crowd Then they said, teacher, this woman was caught sleeping with a man who isn't her husband. The law of Moses teaches that a woman like this should be stoned to death. What do you say? They asked Jesus this question because they wanted to test him and bring some charge against him. But Jesus simply bent over and started writing in the ground with his finger. They kept asking Jesus about the woman. Finally, he stood up and said, If any of you have ever sinned, then go ahead. Or if any of you have never sinned, then go ahead and throw the first stone at her. Once again, he bent over and began writing in the ground. The people left one by one, beginning with the oldest. Finally, Jesus and the woman were there alone. Jesus stood up and asked her, where is everyone? 
Isn't there anyone left to accuse you? No, sir, the woman answered. Then Jesus told her, I am not going to accuse you either. You may go now, but do not sin anymore. What a beautiful depiction of Jesus's love for us and how it is so controversial to cancel culture, so controversial to the reputation stains that we can believe as women, as men, that once we lose our reputation, it's gone forever. But what I love about Jesus is that he reminds us that he is sinless and blameless, yet he does not accuse us. And he just tells us, to get up and sin no more. And obviously we're human. We make mistakes. We do sin and we go to repentance to the Lord. But I love how Jesus is always telling us that even in a world of cancel culture, even in a world where they say that if we make a mistake, that it will define us for the rest of our lives, Jesus tells us, that you are blameless before me. And I really felt on my heart as I was thinking about this second episode that there are some people out there that truly believe that they are too far gone to be blameless before the Lord. And I just want to say and encourage you that you are never, ever too far gone. To bring up one of my favorite redemption stories in the Bible, it would be the Apostle Paul. He was notorious basically for hunting and killing Christians. And as he had a letter, which some theologians believed would have been the letter that would have shown the location of Christians and possibly annihilated the entire Christian um, population at that time. He was blinded in his tracks by the Lord himself. And for the first time in his blindness, he was able to see God. The very thing that he was doing, he thought he was doing for God, murdering Christians because he believed that the work he was doing was good. When in reality, it was awful. And it took him being blinded in order for him to see the true Messiah, Jesus. He was known by many as the Christian killer. I don't know if that was the exact phrase that they used, but actually I know for a fact that's not what they, I'm sure that's not what they called him. But my point being, if Paul had been in the time of now, People would have canceled him and written him off for the past that he had, the mistakes that he had, when he ended up being one of the most pivotal apostles in the Bible, who wrote many, many books in the Bible, who brought many revelation and healing and power through Christ, through his words that he wrote on paper. Even in jail, he would praise God, lifting up the faith of many even today. But with God, your story doesn't end with your worst mistakes. Your story begins with repentance and living a life for Jesus. That is the story of redemption. 
not canceling someone for their past, not canceling someone for their mistakes, not canceling someone for the way they view things because it might not be the right way, but that might be all they know. But Jesus is so countercultural to that. He redeems and he restores. What a wonderful God we have. To bring some scripture in, because I love God's word, Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, or 7 through 9, says Christ sacrificed his life's blood to set us free, which means our sins are now forgiven. Christ did this because of God's gift of undeserved grace to us. God has great wisdom and understanding, and by what Christ has done, God has shown us his own mysterious ways. The reason why I bring up reputation, the reason why I am talking about God's grace and freedom is on a personal level, I felt that I was too far gone for a long time. I felt so ashamed of the lifestyle that I was living that I didn't even want to go in God's presence because I really truly thought I would burn up if I stepped into a church because I betrayed God. As I talked about in episode one, I told him that I thought my path was better than his. I knew him and I still turned away from him. And when I came back to him, he accepted me with open arms. I didn't feel reprimanded. I didn't feel that I was defined by my biggest mistake. That's not how God works. I felt so loved and accepted and just embraced by him when I went into full surrender. And that's just the God that we serve. He is literally so loving and so excited. I just remember feeling this overwhelming presence of joy. And I truly felt like God was excited to have me back in his arms. Not only did the sin that I lived in and was holding onto washed away in that moment, it was also the hurt and the pain and the sin that others did to me that was washed away. And that took time. It wasn't, it wasn't right away. It was a healing process. But that brings us into our topic for today. And as I said, it is a little bit heavier. The topic that we are going to go into is something that took a long time to heal, but praise the Lord, I can say I am healed from it now. And the reason why it's been so hard to get this podcast out is because it is a part of my testimony that I don't share as much because it has to do with sexual assault. And the reason why I feel that I need to talk about this is because I know so many, so many women in my life that have, have been impacted by sexual assault. Like I said, this is going to be a heavier episode. I'm going to take you guys back to when I was 16 years old in January. It was about to be the new year. I think it was New Year's Day. I went and I was with my friends. I won't name names. I was with my friends in high school. We hung out all the time and we went to this guy's house. I can't remember which guy it was, to be honest, but, you know, I was still in my party era. It was just kind of like a year or two into my partying and it stemmed a lot from 
a lot of change happening in my family life. And my parents are great. I love them so dearly. They're such great parents. But I mean, no parent is perfect. No human is perfect. And there was definitely some brokenness in my family. So I was coping and didn't have the right coping tools. And so the way I was coping was with drinking. I was drinking heavily, like I said, in episode one. And I was at this, you know, this guy's house and there is a bunch of guys there. And there is one guy in particular that was 27 years old. Now, mind you, I'm 16 years old. At the time, I was really, I mean, at 14, I would say I was really into the Jonas Brothers and they had purity rings. I was also a Christian, so I had a purity ring for a long time. At this point, I didn't have it anymore, but I still held true to that. I really wanted to save my virginity, save myself for someone special, for someone I loved. And when I went out this night, there was this 27-year-old and we were drinking. And to my knowledge... (laughs) Um, I didn't know what 151 rum is. For those of you that don't know, it's very high in alcohol content, like way more than your typical vodka. I asked the 27-year-old if it's basically like vodka, and he said, yeah. I mean, honestly, you're not the smartest at 16. I know that your frontal lobe where you make decisions is not fully developed at this point. I should have known it was a higher alcohol content when we were lighting the shots on fire because we were taking flaming shots of this. I didn't had no idea, had no idea that it was such high in alcohol content. So we were drinking and probably about an hour, an hour and a half in, I completely blacked out. I do not remember a thing from that entire night. I woke up the next morning, I was on the floor, and I remember looking around and being so confused. I didn't know where my friend was. She was completely gone. She apparently drove my car back to her house because her dad called her, which was wild. And she's a great person. She's a great friend. I mean, we were 16, 17 at the time. So once again, we did not make the best decisions. Um, I didn't really think anything of it. She eventually picked me up. We went back to her house. We were camping in her backyard. I remember being in a tent and the 27 year old gave her a call and she's like, yeah, what happened last night? Like what happened with Sammy? And he told her, oh yeah, we had sex. My heart, when I tell you my heart dropped, my heart dropped. Literally something I was holding so precious to me, something that I was holding on to thinking that it was my choice. That choice in that moment got taken away from me. And the reason why I want to talk about this is not to shame the person that did that to me, not try to gain pity from anyone. The reason why I want to share this is because it is so imperative and important to talk about these things and how we overcome things with Christ. Because I can truly say I would not be talking about this um, without crying if I wasn't fully healed. It's like almost an a wound when it first happens. It's open it's very sensitive to disease and things and infections, and you kind of have to cover it while it heals. And then once it heals and, you know, and then it becomes a scar, that's when you can talk about it. So when I say I have strength and vulnerability, the things that I talk about, I'm very 
I try to be very wise about it and I try to talk about the things that are healing or are healed fully, especially topics like this. So to get back, I was completely shocked. I felt like I was just ripped open and I felt like no one understood. No one understood what I was going through. I felt that I had no power. My power was taken away. My choice was taken away. And I was furious. And I didn't know how to help it. So I was like, I need to know this person. I don't know them. I just met them that night. So I tried doing a relationship backwards, which ended up not working out for very good reason. And I started sleeping around a lot. Because in my head, I thought, well, something was just taken away from me so easily. It must not be that big of a deal. What a lie deposited into my head because that is not true. So for many years, I didn't view sex as something that was precious. I didn't view sex as something that was to be held and valued. I just viewed it as something that was taken away from me. So it didn't have any value to me anymore. And I think the enemy does this to us on purpose because I truly believe that sex should be within the confines of marriage. And I know that that's not what our society believes today. And I know some people listening here may not agree with that. And I understand. I did not agree with it either. I thought it was old timey and, you know, no one does that anymore we are free, we're sexually free, all of those things. I truly, I truly believed it. I had guys in my Rolodex. I guess <laughs> I never really had a Rolodex. I'm not that old. But, you know, I had guys in my contacts that I would have as backup for the guy that I was currently with because I didn't want to show weakness. I didn't want to show that I was a fool. And I didn't want to show that I cared, even though I cared a lot. And in our society today, the world tells us that we need to be sexually free, that we need to take charge, and we're only free if we don't care and we just do what the guys have been doing for so long. You know, it's the patriarchy. We got to tear it down. We got to take it back. And I get that because I was in that mindset for a long time. But it took God revealing things to me for me to truly see that that is not the way we should be doing things. And for those of you that have been sexually assaulted, please, please hear my heart. I do not think that it was right. I do not condone that behavior. I really, truly don't. But I will say the greatest thing that I did for being able to be healed in this area is forgiveness of the person who did that to me and just not allowing that person's sin dictate the decisions I was making. I was literally letting the decision of someone's sin propel me into a life of self-destruction. The very thing that I thought I had control over, I really had no control over. And 
I was getting ripped apart every time I would have these relationships. And I always thought it was just the feelings that I had for the person that was ripping me apart. But now that I look and I reflect, I can see that it was actually the sex that was ripping me apart. And what I mean by that is I've had two relationships now where we abstained from being intimate. And when those relationships didn't work out, it sucked. It was hard. I cried, but it was not the same pain that I faced when I would have sex with someone and then we wouldn't end well. It's just so different. And it's because it's spiritual, like having sex with someone, you become one. It binds us and blinds us to things, especially when we're not with the right person. It'll bind us and blind us. And I have learned that the hard way. And I wish I would have known earlier in my life. That's part of the reason why I am making this podcast is so I can tell others and share in what I have learned and what the Lord has brought me through. And the Lord has brought me through a lot. And just to go back to the forgiveness portion of what I was talking about with sexual assault, I know that this could be a touchy subject. I know that this can be a triggering subject for certain people. And the reason why I felt it on my heart to share is because the Lord has literally brought me healing and just freedom in this. And I do not want to keep it from others. I want to share it with others so they can heal and be free from their, maybe if they've been sexually assaulted or molested as a child, that they could be free fully from that. And in order to be free, we have to forgive. And I know that that's not what a lot of us want to do. Because what happened to you, what was done to you, wasn't right. I honestly didn't even know how I was going to wrap this all together. And I was in prayer and I was reading my devotional. The Lord brought me to Joseph. And I think it is the perfect just story and testimony of what it looks like to go through something that you didn't deserve but still forgive the people on the other side and see the freedom and the blessing that follows. Now, over the course that I have been talking, I realize that I have been talking a lot faster than my first podcast, probably because this is something that I am very passionate about. So I'm going to try to slow it down. I'm sorry if I've been just turbo speeding through. So for those of you that don't know the story of Joseph, he was one of 12 sons to his father. It even says in Genesis 37, 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now I'm going to try my best to summarize um, this whole story. Basically, 
Joseph's brothers grew very, very jealous. And Joseph started having these elaborate dreams that were prophetic. So they were predicting things that were to happen. So he could warn people about a famine or about an abundance coming. So he had this gift that God gave him and his brothers were so jealous because one of the dreams he had, he saw himself being raised up and his brothers bowing down. Now, because of his brother's jealousy and not being able to love him because they were just blinded by hatred, they sold him into slavery. They tricked him and they sold him into slavery and told their dad that he died. So Joseph was imprisoned and in slavery for years. But because of the favor of the Lord and his hard work and integrity, he was able to work his way up and ended up in Pharaoh's house and was working for one of Pharaoh's employees or staff. And he was doing really well for a slave. And as time went on, Potiphar, which is his boss's wife, found him attractive. And so she basically wanted to get with him. And because of his integrity and just his character, he was like, no, I can't do that. Potiphar is my master. I won't do that to him. You're married. So she got mad and basically lied about it and told her husband that he came on to her. So Joseph gets put back in jail for more years. And he's like in a jail cell that's like not your typical jail cell today. It was rat ridden, probably wet and cold most of the time, depending on what time of year it was, or blazing hot, once again, depending on what time of year it is. It was definitely less than ideal conditions to live in. So Joseph had every right to be angry with his brothers. And over time, he just relied on the Lord. He continued to walk with God because God never left him. And he just continued to trust the Lord, trust the Lord. Eventually, he still has the gift of his dreams. He tells people in the prison, they end up becoming true. Still nothing happens years later. And then they finally, the guy who was in jail with him previously remembers that he could interpret dreams and that he had prophetic dreams. So one day the Pharaoh had these dreams repeatedly and no one could figure them out. So they eventually went to Joseph and Joseph ended up being able to interpret these dreams and save Egypt from just famine and being able to save them from what would have been just a terrible situation. So he ended up becoming the second highest to Pharaoh in the hierarchy of Egyptian culture. I don't know what to call it. So then after all these years, being imprisoned, being in slavery, getting falsely accused, Joseph still held on to God's promises and trusted the Lord through it, which ended up putting him in a position where he was face to face with his brothers because his brothers 
needed food during the famine, and the only people that had food at this point were the Egyptians because of Joseph's dream interpretation of Pharaoh. So due to these events, Joseph and Joseph's brothers found themselves face to face with each other once again, and Joseph's brothers did not recognize him. And in that moment, he could have sent his brothers to jail forever. He could have put his brothers in slavery. He could have seeked revenge. He could have even sentenced them to death. But in that moment, Joseph chose different. Joseph chose something that was countercultural to what people expected. Joseph chose forgiveness. I love this devotional that I was reading. It says, forgiveness does not mean God doesn't value your pain and hurt. They are real. He just doesn't want them to rule your heart and steal the abundant life he has for you on the other side of forgiveness. Because Joseph forgave his brothers and didn't seek revenge on them, didn't seek death on them, they were able to have families and have abundant life together. And I'm not saying that once you forgive someone, you have to have this life and relationship with them. That's not it at all. I'm just saying because of Joseph's obedience and forgiveness, he was able to live a free life that wasn't just for him, but for the generations after him. Joseph has one of the best redemption stories and just showing of God's faithfulness through the hardships, through the hard times. And like I said before, God doesn't like your pain. He is with you in the pain. He is with you when you are crying. He hurts the way you hurt. He feels the suffering that you went through. I promise you. And he wants to heal you from it. But in order to heal from traumatic things, that have happened to you, you have to forgive the person who did it to you. For me, it really helped that the person that did those acts to me, they had to have learned it from somewhere. For someone to have that idea in their head or that notion to think that that is okay, it had to have come from somewhere, some kind of pain or hurt. We live in a fallen and broken world, and I know I am not the only one who has experienced trauma, and I have no idea if the person that did those things to me had experienced trauma in the same form and was just reciprocating what was done to them. I will probably never know, but it is a huge possibility, and once again, it doesn't make it right, but for me, it did help see things from a different perspective and it may help you it may not but I just really want to emphasize that there is healing that comes but it comes after forgiveness my hope and my prayer is that this helps just that one person that maybe has struggled with just being able to see the full redemption of Christ, being able to live in that forgiveness and that freedom, to be able to cut off those things 
that happened to you cut off that trauma because that trauma does not define you. It is not your identity. Christ alone is our identity. I just want to say one more thing and then I'll wrap it up. I've had to take these like identity classes for my work and one of the identifiers that people identify with is trauma and it breaks my heart to think that we feel that we need to be defined by it because I am so much more than the trials and the trauma that I've lived through. I am a daughter of the king of creation, the God most high, Jesus himself. You are so precious and so loved. And for those of you that think you're too tainted or too stained by either your past mistakes or somebody's mistakes done to you, somebody's sin done to you, I just want to let you know that God is a God of good plans. I felt so deeply that I didn't deserve a guy who would truly love me, like a husband that would truly just treasure me because of the things that I did, because of my past. And the thing is, if the man is right for me, he will know the power of redemption with God. He's not going to look at your mistakes. He's not going to look at your past, but he's going to look at the power of the testimony and the power of God working and moving in your life. You are still worthy to be cherished. You are not too far gone. I promise you, God can redeem all things. Let's close out in prayer. God, thank you so much for this time to just glorify you and the freedom that you bring even to the most darkest places, God. I pray that whoever may be going through just facing their trauma or working through their trauma, God, I pray that they would find this podcast. They would just be able to live in that freedom and that forgiveness, God. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice is just protected by you, Lord, just from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord. I pray your presence upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in the second episode of the Revealed Podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I know it was a little bit heavier than last time, but I am just so expectant, like I said, with what God's going to do. Have a blessed week. Love y'all.